Well, I have a question for you this morning. What does it mean to have the good news of Jesus preached to you? Does preaching the good news to you mean that you are told that Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died in your place, rose again three days later, and ascended to the Father? I mean, that's all really good news. But Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogue, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people before most of what I just said had taken place. So what does it mean for the good news to be preached to us? What does it mean for us to hear the good news of what Jesus has done? Does it impact us now, in this moment? Or is it just for later? Is it just for future? Is it just for eternity and the promise of heaven that the good news impacts our lives? Or does the good news of Jesus have the power to change and transform and redeem our lives now? What does it mean to have the good news of Jesus preached to me today? In Acts chapter 8, we are told about a preacher named Philip. And he went into a city in Samaria and he began to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And when the crowds heard what Philip said, they were amazed. And then the miracle started and people were being healed, specifically paralytics and people who had been crippled and people were being delivered from all sorts of things and evil spirits came out of many people. And the Bible says as a result, there was great joy in the city. Revival was breaking out, right? And when the people believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So Peter and James are back in Jerusalem and they begin to hear what's going on down in Samaria with Philip and they think, well, we need to head on down there and check this out, right? Philip's kind of a newbie. We've been on the job for quite a while now. We'll be the judge of that, right? So they head on down and what they see, well, it looks legit. It seems like there's a real outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so they begin to lay hands on people and people begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Truly, revival was taking place in this city. And now then, an angel of the Lord comes to Philip and says, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. And this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit said to Philip, hey, go over there to that chariot and stay near it. Stay real close. And when the good news of the kingdom and the story of Jesus, implying they are different but connected, was preached to the people in Samaria. Again, revival had broke out. People were saved, baptized in water, filled with the Holy Spirit, healed and delivered. But the good news of the kingdom is even bigger than that. How can it be bigger than that? That seems like the biggest thing ever. Well, through this one single witness, let me show you just how incredible it is to have the good news preached to you. You see, the good news of Jesus will seek you out, even on a deserted desert road where you think no one can find you, and in the place where you might feel left out, abandoned, confused, with more questions than answers. 
God wants to show up this morning and announce really good news to you. So the Spirit of the Lord had an assignment for Philip so big that he directed him to leave a region-wide revival to walk alone down a desert road to find one single person who needed to hear good news. But before we get to just what that news was, we have to go back to the Old Testament. Because, I mean, come on, you knew that that's where I was headed, right? It's been weeks since I've been up here, so you have been missing a good Old Testament uh, history lesson. So after Moses led the people uh, out of Israel, or led the people of Israel out of Egypt, there we go, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. And during that time then, God was setting up a nation. He set up laws. He set up a criminal code. He gave instructions for worship. He gave them commands that they were to live by. His priesthood was established in that time. A tabernacle was designed. And who could enter and how they could enter and when they could enter was all spelled out for the people of God. And Deuteronomy 23 gives us some of those instructions. No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. For that matter, foreigners couldn't enter the assembly of the Lord either. Now, there was no law in Israel's, uh, in Israel's laws or code against these men, only against them entering the assembly and specifically against them serving as a priest or making an offering to the Lord. These eunuchs were seen not not as a whole individual. They were seen as less than, and therefore they could not participate in the worship activities of a holy God. And it goes without saying that eunuchs could not have children, but children were how the blessings of God were to be passed from generation to generation to generation. The Lord had spelled all of that out to Moses as well. When you enter Canaan, the land will be allotted to you as an inheritance, and it will have these boundaries. And so the whole chapter explains what those boundaries were to be and what belongs to them and then who would assign the lands to each tribe of Israel. And then they were told that every Israelite will possess the inheritance of his fathers. And no inheritance can just pass from tribe to tribe. Each Israelite tribe is to keep the land it inherits. It has to be given to sons, to sons, to sons. And the eunuch can't pass on land, and therefore he cannot pass on an inheritance. He cannot forward the blessings of God. It's the exact opposite of what we read in Psalms, that sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from him. This is who is blessed. The man who is blessed is the one who has a quiver full of children but because they'll not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. So the eunuch has no heritage from the Lord. No reward is coming. Shame was often his. And in Acts 8, we're told this eunuch from Ethiopia had gone to Jerusalem to worship, but we aren't actually told if he did. How could he have? He was to be excluded on two counts. He's a foreigner and he's a eunuch. And we'll talk next week about the position that eunuchs often held. But this man is an official in the queen's court. He has wealth and position, but no lasting legacy and no future reward. What good is money and power and position if there's no future for you? No future or no promise of future blessings. This man fears God, but doesn't yet know of the good news Jesus brings or of the salvation that Jesus' death has now made possible. And so now we see him reading the scripture from the prophet Isaiah, and maybe he's wondering, is there anything in here for me? 
is there any good news to be found in the scripture for me? So Philip, sitting there with him, says, do you understand what it is that you're reading? And he says, how can I? I could you explain it to me? Because I don't think I get it. Would you, would you mind to just get in this chariot with me and sit here with me? And maybe you could, maybe you could explain it. Because I'm reading right here. And what he was reading from was what we know as Isaiah chapter 53. It's the passage that we hear a lot at, at Easter time. It's the passage we know as the suffering servant. And the man turns to Philip and he says, do you know who the prophet's talking about right here? Do you know who this suffering servant is? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and he begins to unfold the good news of Jesus. So back to the Old Testament we go. You see, the prophet Isaiah had written hundreds of years before Jesus was born that there would be a future servant of God Almighty who would act wisely who would be raised up and lifted up and highly exalted, and that even kings would bow to him, but first he would suffer. And this servant was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, and we esteemed him not. This servant, Isaiah said, he would be pierced for our transgressions, he would be crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace would be upon him. And then we get to the part that was quoted in Acts 8, that this man would be oppressed and afflicted. He would be led like a lamb to the slaughter. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. And who could speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And now imagine, imagine this man. He's sitting in this chariot. He's trying to figure out what any of this can mean, what good news there could be for him and he's hearing this, and he's hearing Philip talk about a suffering servant who was familiar with our own sufferings, of which this man has had a few. He understood then that Jesus had also known humiliation and shame. Jesus had also been deprived of justice and left without a legacy and descendants. And then the words of the prophet go on. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. How could that be? How can this one, this suffering servant with no descendants, see his offspring or prolong his days after he's been placed in a grave? In ancient Israel, everything was tied to your children in life and in death. In life, it was them who would provide for you. In life, it was your retirement plan to have those children. In death, it was how your legacy would be carried on. In, in death, it was how the blessing would pass to the next generation. In death, it was how your name would be remembered. Children were the permanent marker that life had existed, that it had mattered, that it had served a purpose. So how could this be? that this one with no descendants could see offspring or prolong his days. But then Isaiah 53 keeps going. It's after the suffering of his soul that he will see the light of life, after the suffering that he will be satisfied. And the Lord will give him a portion among the great because he poured out his life unto death, for he bore the sins of many. And imagine again, Philip sitting next to this man, preaching the good news to this one excluded individual that after the servant suffered 
And because he poured out his life unto death, then everything that comes after he suffered will change. And Philip declares to this man who has been considered less than and not whole, other, kept apart, that the servant Isaiah was writing about was none other than Jesus Christ who had suffered and died in his place and was placed in a grave among the sinners. But here's what changed. Three days later, he rose again. And Philip begins to preach the good news. What does it mean to have the good news preached to you? And I would imagine then Philip sitting next to this eunuch as he sees then some sort of question begin to form on his lips as he begins to wonder, what exactly is it that you're saying? And Philip then goes back to the text he has in his hand and he goes down to the very next verse because right after Isaiah 53 finishes with this idea that he bore the sins of many because he had poured out his life unto death, the very next verse that we read is something that sounds utterly ridiculous and impossible for the very next thing that Isaiah says is sing O barren woman you who never bore a child burst into song shout for joy you who are never in labor because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband well how can that be it seems and sounds totally insensitive to our ears how could someone barren begin to sing a song of rejoicing Rejoicing. And how could a single woman without a husband have more children than the married woman with a houseful? And yet Isaiah then says, begin to enlarge the place of your tent. Go ahead and stretch your tent's curtains wide. Don't hold back because you're going to spread them out to the right and to the left. And the descendants now that are going to come, they're going to begin to dispossess nations and they're going to settle into this desolate city. So don't be afraid. And you're not going to suffer shame. Don't fear disgrace. You're not going to be humiliated, not by the Lord. And the work of the suffering servant allows for shame and disgrace to be taken away and single women and barren women to be blessed even without children. And then chapter 55 begins with a new invitation for all, all who are thirsty come to the waters. All who are thirsty, all who are thirsty. Where are the exclusions this time? Where are the ones that get left out? Who gets left out of the blessing this time in this invitation? Is it the eunuch man? Is it the barren woman? Is it the foreigner? Could all really mean all in this new envisioned kingdom made possible by the suffering servant? And the eunuch sitting in the chariot with Philip, he must have begun to feel his heart beating out of his chest at this point, wondering if Philip is saying that Jesus really was the suffering servant who understands the pain and the shame and the humiliation that he himself has endured. And he's beginning to wonder, are you really about to tell me that I am now included that I am part of all who can come to the waters and begin to drink is that really what you're saying Philip because if it's not stop now because I don't think I can endure one more cultural piece of information that's going to make me feel less than 
or not worthy enough. And he says, Are you, oh, Philip, is that what you're about to tell me? Because my heart is running wild right now. Just let me know if there's good news for me too. And then maybe Philip just unrolls just a little bit more from the scroll and he begins to read from Isaiah chapter 56 that this is what the Lord says, maintain justice and do what is right for my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. And he begins to explain now, look who's going to be blessed. Blessed is the one who does this, does what? Hold fast to my salvation. The blessings of God are now being changed. They don't seem to be tied to land or to generations or to only those who can have a legacy with children. But now blessed is the one who holds fast to salvation. The one who keeps my Sabbath without desecrating it. That's the one who I will bless. The one who keeps their hands from doing any evil. That's the one who will be blessed. And so then imagine as the man sitting in the chariot hears Philip read, so let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, well, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. No, not anymore. Not because of the work of Jesus Christ. And let no unit complain, I'm only a dry tree. I can never leave a legacy because this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who will begin to keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me, who will hold fast to my covenants and my commands. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name that is better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever and foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord, who will minister to him to love the name of the Lord. Oh, to them, to those who will be my servants and all who will begin to gather in. These I will bring then to my holy mountain, and I will give them joy in my house of prayer. And their burnt offerings and sacrifices that they couldn't even offer, now then they will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations. The sovereign Lord declares that he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. You see, it wasn't just about Israel anymore. Not when the suffering servant had done his work and the barren women had already been called upon to widen the tents because there were more people, more spiritual sons and more spiritual daughters about to be brought in to the house of the Lord. So the tents were going to need to be made larger. And can you picture now that Ethiopian eunuch hearing this sitting in that chariot? Because I don't think he was sitting anymore. And can you see the light begin to dawn in his eyes? And can you hear Philip's voice rise just a little bit more as he begins to say, oh, oh, let me tell you the good news of Jesus that changes everything for the one who has always felt left out. Because, the, because of Jesus now, our genealogy, who our parents were, or if we have children, no longer a requirement for being part of God's family. Instead, obedience to his commands, that's the new sign of God's people. 
Oh, listen, Philip says, because of Jesus, no longer is anyone excluded from the assembly. Instead, we are all invited to experience joy in the house of the Lord. And then Philip says, oh, but wait, there's just a little bit more. You see, because of Jesus, the tents have been widened and those formerly left out from receiving and passing on the blessings of God are now instead the offspring of the suffering servant and they are entitled to all the blessings his father has to give. Oh, that's good news for the Ethiopian eunuch. That's good news for us this morning that in this new kingdom that Jesus has ushered in, the choice to keep the Sabbath and to hold fast to the kingdom, that's what sets people apart as holy and chosen and not their wholeness as an individual or their ability to have children. This obedience is tied to the keeping of the commands. Later in Isaiah 58, Sabbath keeping will be linked to righteousness and justice. The command to maintain justice and do what is right will finally be followed. Obedience to the Lord is what would bring these formerly outcast individuals who could not serve in the temple or offer sacrifices into God's holy mountain where their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. And imagine one last time that Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8 hearing this for the first time, having just come from Jerusalem where he wouldn't have been able to make a sacrifice. And imagine the excitement too as he realizes what could now be his. You see, Isaiah 56 makes it clear. It's because of our choice to obey the commands that the eunuchs will now be given what they could never have, an everlasting name. Without children, there was no other way to be remembered, nothing and no person to tie them to the past or the future. However, because they have chosen to obey the Lord, they'll be remembered in his kingdom where they will be given a place with him for eternity. And so what does it mean to have the good news of Jesus preached to you? For the man in Acts chapter eight, it meant redemption. It meant a story of grace with him at the very center. It meant Jesus' death on the cross really had changed everything. It meant inclusion into the family of God. And Philip told him the good news about Jesus and all that was different because of him. And so then when they came to water on a desert road, no less, the man said, well, would you look at that? There's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Stop the chariot. Stop the chariot. And both Philip and the eunuch, they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away because his work there was done. He was only headed down that desert road for one. It was just for one. And the Holy Spirit takes Philip away and the eunuch never sees him again, but he'll remember that encounter for the rest of his life because he went on his way rejoicing. The rituals in the temple regarding purity had caused the eunuch to be excluded he couldn't be circumcised, and that had always been the mark of God's people. But the new act of baptism introduced by Jesus now brings into the family of God those formerly left out. So now what does it mean to you personally today to have the good news of Jesus preached to you? What does this one single man's story in Acts 8 
bear witness to all of us today about Jesus? What is the story of a eunuch being baptized, a kingdom where barren and single women have more children than married women, and an invitation for outcasts to come in have to teach us today at Carbondale? Well, it's the same good news Isaiah saw and Philip preached and the Ethiopian heard. It's that obedience to Jesus and his commands is still the mark for God's people. So who you are and what you've done and how you've lived, whether you're married or single, if your family has five generations of ministers or if you're the only Christian in your family, none of that gets you into God's family and none of that excludes you from it. Church attendance won't mark you as a child of God either. You know that old line about how living in a garage doesn't make you a car and coming to church doesn't make you a Christian? You know, like it's kind of ridiculous, but there's a little bit of truth to that. It's not what does it. Here's what brings us into the family of God. It's obedience to his commands. Here's what Jesus said. If anyone, 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 all who are thirsty, if anyone would want to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Following Jesus is the way to life. It's the way into the family of God, and it's the way to leave a legacy. We can make the decision to follow Jesus, and there is nothing, absolutely nothing, keeping us away from Jesus. We just decide, and then we keep deciding, and we begin obeying his commands. And Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he'll obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And he who does not love me, well, he'll be the one who's not obeying my teaching in another place Jesus mother and brothers came to see him and Jesus said well actually anyone who does the will of my father in other words anyone who obeys his commands they're now my brother and mother and sister because obedience to Jesus is what makes us family it's what brings us in it's what makes us all included and the second piece of good news this morning is that the invitation to experience joy in God's kingdom is still on offer to all who will believe the apostle Paul said that whoever would confess with their mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you'll be saved because there's no difference then between Jew and Gentile because the same Lord is Lord of all and get this the same Lord is the one who richly blesses who all all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved you aren't excluded there's nothing that is keeping you away from God's forgiveness and mercy except your own stubbornness forgiveness is on offer for anyone who would confess that Jesus is Lord and there is no difference between those who were always in the assembly like the Jews and those who had been brought in because of the work of the suffering servant which is the Gentiles and now then it's the same Lord and the same father of us all and now there's no difference between married and single because it's the same Lord there's no difference between people with children and people without no one is less than no one is greater than it's just the same Lord there's no difference then between those who have always attended Carbondale and those who are brand new same Lord all of us brought in by Jesus no difference between those who came in and set with four generations of family to 
today and those who sat alone today. There's no difference because we're all part of one giant family because Jesus has invited all who would come, all who would call upon the name of the Lord to come and to find freedom and to find joy in his house. And finally, the good news being preached to you today is that all the blessings of God are now ours in Christ Jesus. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing is now ours. There's nothing that's off limits. There's nothing that we have been excluded from. All the blessings of Christ Jesus are now ours. It's not that it's been passed on to us from our parents or our lineage, but it's all because of the work of the suffering servant who does, in fact, live forevermore to see his offspring. That's us. And so now we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he would taste death for everyone. And in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering because of the work of Jesus everything has changed. And this is the good news of the kingdom for everyone who has ever felt left out, anyone who has been made to feel less than, anyone who has been told that they were unworthy or like they didn't belong, for anyone who has lived with shame or feelings of inadequacy or who has been wounded deeply because life didn't turn out the way that you had prayed and planned and hoped. For anybody that has ever felt excluded or wondered if their life mattered, even mattered to God, this man's story in Acts 8 lets us all know that Jesus has good news for us left out ones. His story teaches us that shame gets washed away as every spiritual blessing gets poured out on us too. And so I ask you one last time, what does it mean to you today in this moment to hear the good news of Jesus preached? It means Jesus sees you individually and loves you enough to meet you on a desert road and announce to you today, oh, I've got good news. Because in my kingdom, all is made new and there is a place for you. Will you stand? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There's house, there's a place for for you. There's no one gets left out. No one gets excluded. 
place knowing that you have been included that there's a place for you and that God loves you so 